intellectual science fiction stories may seem as trivial as ever to the blinder critics and philosophers of today, but the core of science fiction is an essence that's become the truth of our Tell me how many lights you see. There are four lights! So this is how liberty dies. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. I'm Chrissy Raffensperger. And I am Dave Sellers. And we have no Miles here today. And no M. So... Curse you, Storms. I know. Well, let's talk about this. When was the last time Miles has missed an episode? It has been a long time, but honestly, he's going to see Motley Crue Motley Crue concert tonight, so gets a full blown pass from. Yeah, me. yeah, I guess he does. Um, side, a side taste of jealousy. Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit there. Uh, but yeah, I don't know that he's. I, I just can't remember him ever missing an episode, but I'm sure he has. So maybe a COVID one time, and that took him down. I don't remember, but yeah, I, I think even that we rescheduled. Yeah, something like that, but. But yeah, so uh, tonight, what's on our menu, since I'll be Miles tonight, since that's the menu, we're going to be sharing an interview with an author um, of a, the uh, from Farpoint uh, 2022, and we're going to share one of the authors, one of our African-American authors that was there, and what was really cool about the interview that we're going to be sharing is, number one, there there are not a whole lot of African-American authors in science fiction and fantasy. And so to see there was quite a representation of them at Farpoint. And so I'm really excited to bring one of those authors to you. The guy we're going to share is ex-military, served in the military from Japan. And so this is kind of a Marvel-esque African uh, superhero story, Uh, not Black Panther, but something else. Uh, that he wrote, and so we'll be excited to share that with you and uh, talk about that. So we'll be sharing that with with you a little bit later. We're going to talk about Orville because, after all, Orville, right? And then uh, Strange New Worlds as well. And um, we, of course, will talk about what's going on in our sci-fi world and whatever else comes up on the docket as we talk. Sound good, everyone? Nice. Yeah. Let's do it. So... Uh, should we let Miles go first? Miles isn't here, but he did send in a recording. He's dedicated. He is he might dedicated. Be miss- he might be missing, but he's dedicated. Yeah, that's right. Um, so anyways, let's hear from Miles, and we'll talk a little bit about um, some of the things that Miles had in his list that we want to talk about. Good evening, my fellow diners. I am sorry I cannot be with you this evening and talk all things sci-fi and the things we love. I am busy rocking out to some Joan Jett, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Poison um, at a concert this evening in Hershey. So, but uh, I want to tell you what I'm into now, uh, what I've been watching. So, a lot of season finales over the last couple of weeks. Um, I've watched uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I was very happy with the season finale. I thought it was a good swerve what they did. They made you think one thing when they showed you the trailer, but then they did something which threw, you know, flipped upside down, which I thought was very clever. Very happy with that. I uh, watched the Superman and Lois season finale, and uh, that was great also. If you guys aren't watching it, you might want to check, 
check that show out. Uh, watched uh, Stranger Things uh, this past season, the season finale. It was a very emotional uh, season, and uh, looking forward to um, the next one because it looks like they set up for another one. Um, enjoying the Orville. I thought I saw the best Orville episode this last one. Uh, for those of you who are watching the show, I'd be interested uh, what you think. Uh, great time travel, but it was very emotional. Um, enjoying the boys. I think that was their season uh, finale as well, although I'm ashamed of myself for enjoying it uh, because it, this, this show is just most of the characters are just horrible people. But what are you going to do? Um, also enjoyed the Umbrella Academy. So the last few months we've had some really good sci-fi. I thought uh, so that was an enjoyable season with uh, the Umbrella Academy. And it looks like they set it up for uh, season four. I'm currently reading... Um, it's called the, the Long Walk by S.A. Eisen. Of course, it's a time travel novel. Um, I, I finished reading Time Zone, a time travel novel by Elise Douglas. So that's what's been going on in my sci-fi world. No, nothing much with movies right now. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing uh, Thor, um, Love and Thunder sometime soon, hopefully. But, uh, yeah, so uh, um, the long podcast, and look forward to talking to you soon. And Scott, look for us to uh, this weekend and uh, enjoying things uh, shortly. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. So let's talk. So we are we're going to be talking about Strange New World. Um, we obviously are going to be talking about Orville. But anything else in his list that any of you, either you want to talk about? I'm not watching The Boys. I'm not watching Umbrella Academy. I've watched some Umbrella Academy, just not the current season. Um, I watched it. I watched the season three. Oh, did you? I, and I did. So I, I liked the first season a lot. Was not really thrilled with the second season. I like season three better, but I don't know. Like it just wasn't holding my interest that much. So did you finish was, season three? I did. I finished it, but I don't know that I would. I don't know that I'm going to watch any more of it if it keeps coming. Like I feel good about like where it ended so to speak so there's still like some i won't say like cliffhangery things but there's still like stuff floating around but i'm not it's one of those things where like if it came out i would be like so i don't know how miles felt about it but yeah so we're gonna uh you know this is one of the things i watched season one i think i may watch season two i do not watch season three and what I'm hearing you say, Chrissy, is that there would need to be a real compelling reason. Like people would have to say, Oh, you really got to give season four a try before you go back to it. They, they would have to really be like, Oh my God, you need to see season four. It's so, so good. It's better right. than season one. Yeah. Like otherwise I'd be like, all right. I, I would feel good just being like, that was the last season. No more. I'd be like, all right. I, I'm not really all that interested in seeing these people again. I'm good. Yeah. Dave, did- so let's put that theory to the test for next week. Chrissy, you really have to watch the rest of Obi-Wan. I'm True. telling you. Facts, facts. You heard it here. You heard it here. I told you. I got it's to so good. Yeah, we're going to talk about that then. Uh, how about Stranger Things season finale? Dave, I know that you are huge into Stranger Things. I do not watch a current season. I may not watch season three or two. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and Chrissy, did you watch Stranger Things? I I did. 
And kind of like what I just said, you know, Stranger Things, like, really loved season one, wasn't as thrilled with seasons two and three, really. And so it took me a while to get to season four because everyone was like, oh, my God, season four is phenomenal. You need to go watch it. And I was like, OK, I'll, I'll go watch it. So I actually watched Stranger Things, the first part of the season, like, I want to say end of June. So I didn't have to wait that long for the season finale. Right. And it was really, I really actually very much enjoyed it and do recommend that if you got out of Stranger Things because you're just like, "Eh, I'm not really feeling this anymore after season two and three, go watch it. It's really awesome. If you like season one, you'll love season four. And Dave, your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's one of the few shows in our genre that my wife and I both enjoy and watch together. She's currently right now downstairs. She'd started back, went back to season one and starting to watch it all through again. So she's been occupying her time with that. But yeah, we, we really, really enjoyed it. It, uh, it was really, really good. I, and I liked the arcs that of the characters throughout. Um, I thought they were really good. I thought it was really good character development score. Awesome. All the callbacks to your favorite 80s stuff. Oh yeah. That's probably my favorite part to it all is just the whole 80s retro thing. I mean, it's just and I love and I love the D D sweeps the nation, their satanic ritual cults. cults, Yeah. I love that it calls back to that whole like scare thing and then it like goes into this. Oh yeah, because it it takes me back took me back to when I was a kid. And when my brother and I first started discovering D&D and my dad sat us down and told us about the whole demonic devilish thing, I'm like, it's, 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 it's a game, dad. I'm not summoning demons here. <laughs> You're like, we're like, I'm, I don't have like, it's like, almost- like a pen. It's, a, like, it's almost like Dave. He's sitting. He's sitting down to have like the sex talk. You know, <laughs> like like that's like the level of it, right? Like, oh, like oh son. <laughs> like, I, I, got, I got. I got more. I got more of the talk with the D and D thing than the other one. So <laughs> <laughs> get ranked a little higher. Uh, well, you know, he figured he didn't have to have the other talk because you were playing D and D. <laughs> it's exactly the, your, Look, pro, your prospect your, pro, your, you guys your another time off <laughs> your, your your prospects were pretty low because you're playing D D, so he wasn't worried about it i, I mean D had nothing to do with my prospects <laughs> being low trust me at that time in my life <laughs> <laughs> well you know this uh, i remember like so the the late 80s into the night early 90s i just remember i went to a christian college my first few years and i remember there was a crew on campus playing D and D and they were the kids that you just didn't want to hang around with (laughs) because you never knew they were like, they're playing their rooms were dark and they had, you know, they were just a little bit, they were fringe and, you know, true story. (laughs) (sighs) Christian college D and D true story. Yeah. So, I was the co-president of the Japanese, well, basically the anime club, but we called it something else to disguise it. Um, and I distinctly remember there was a snowstorm and to get all of the reclusive freshmen out of their dorms and socializing with each other, we invited them over to our apartment and my roommate, Ray, 
threw together a D&D campaign, and then next thing we knew, these freshmen were all playing D&D, and I was like, look at that, they're all conversating together, they're coming out of their rooms, they're socializing, here you go. Worshipping the devil. I know. <laughs> way, way, to, way to go. Way to corrupt them. We followed the community covenant, and there was nothing in there about not summoning demons on campus, so I don't have to know. Well, good, good, good. <laughs> Uh, I'll have to write to the side college and tell them that they need to add that to the community. Yes, that needs to be part of the curriculum. Summoning demons. <laughs> no, no summoning. No demons. summoning demons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yes. Well, you know, it's uh, we joke about it, but the, I mean, that was uh, if you lived through that time, that was very real. I mean, that was very uh, certainly part of anyone that was through the uh, more. Um, conservative christian community at that time that was a big scare um and and honestly i just remember my mom i was reading a lot of science fiction at the time i would bring books over from the library and my mom wouldn't read the books but she would read the beginning and the end of the book and i remember being questioned when there were like wizards and stuff in it uh about it because she was just a little bit leery about where this was all going to lead Oh, oh, my mom was the same way. I still remember I was not allowed to read Harry Potter because it was, I guess there were spells in there or something. I was like, uh, so Harry Potter was a little bit after my time, but I remember yeah. the church that I was a part of at the time being very concerned about this Harry Potter thing. Oh, yeah. And, and the Pokemons. That also very because <laughs> you're summoning demons. I'm like, that whole theory. There was like God, one article. Child. There was one. There was, <laughs> there was one article published about how these demonic and it was totally on crack and somehow it made its way around the Christian community. That was just why. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that, that's literally not how this works. That's how any of this works. <laughs> uh, oh, but anyway, so that greatly yeah. amused me in Stranger Things with them being like, it's of the devil. And you're just like, what? no. <laughs> I, but but again, if you lived through that era, you like identified with that. Oh, you know. Yeah. Well, I I still remember people like who were a little bit older than me being like very concerned about D and D and those sorts of things. And so like there were certain like D and D, Magic the Gathering, all of that was still like foreboding. Thou shall not do those things. And I'm like, it's it's a card game. I, I swear. <laughs> Let me yeah. tap my land and put down the card. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've never. Go. Trust me. If you could summon demons with with D and D, that would be all over TikTok right now. Like people would be like, <laughs> "Demon summon challenge." Exactly. The demon summon dance challenge. <laughs> uh, you know it. I've now started to TikTok trend. No, I didn't mean to. Yeah. Yeah. But Anyways. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Stranger Things. Stranger yeah. Things. But I'm not. I haven't watched Superman and Lois either. I know Miles has been yeah, in that one. I haven't watched that he one either. No. Um, no. So before we leave Stranger Things, though, if you were to look at season four. And rank it up against the other seasons. How, how would you stack that up? Like, where would you rank? How would you rank your seasons? I'd probably go season four, season one, season two, and three were so middling for me. Uh, 
So a tie for season two and three. Got it. Yeah. How about you, Dave? Uh, four, three, one, two. Four, three, one, two. You know four, what? Four, I'm... one, three, two. I'll put it in there somewhere. Yeah, you know what? I, I think I would rank three above two, mostly because I, I'm even having some trouble remembering the plot line of season two. And I'm of the opinion, like, if I can't remember your overall plot, you probably were not that great. But yeah. Yeah, Season three got me because it's when they were really harping off the Cold War vibes at the time. Yeah. And everything was Russia, Russia, Russia. And then the... Uh, oh, the two that worked in the mall together at the Sailor Ice Cream place. Those two cracked me up. To yes, yes, Robin. So, yes, Robin. I, I really, I really liked Ro- like Robin a lot. She's she's so cute and adorable and awkward, and I just you just want to like hug her and like she's so adorable. Yeah. Yeah. That's why three will go there too. I don't remember much about that storyline. Well, and that was One, the other thing that I I really like about season four was it was exploring her her sexuality like and just the difference between what it meant then versus what it meant what it means now i'm just like oh yeah yeah that would have been that big of a deal and oh like it's almost mind-blowing the culture shift that has gone from from then to now it's yeah yeah yes especially since i was watching it right at the end of pride month i'm like oh yeah okay i i so yeah that was i liked how they handle it yeah yeah they do really well with it good all right uh dave let's go to you next tell us a little what's what's going on in your sci-fi world oh strange new worlds orville uh finish stranger things i rewatched Clone Wars cartoon through again because oh, somehow I got into it and I was like, All right, you know, I'm gonna start this over and watching it again. Um, yeah, that, that's really been it. I've been busy with a lot of other life. It's kept me from doing a lot, uh, a lot more. But you playing definitely. any? You playing any games? I haven't lately. Okay. Um, we got a new dining room table and stuff, which is huge compared to anything I've ever owned before. So I have room to do that now. Okay. Which is lovely. So um, I'm expecting an invite to a game night. Just let me know. Oh, when I can set one up <laughs> when I get the other two away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely will. My uh, Tyler and I are Saturday. available. I'm uh, telling you Tyler can come. All right. Cool. And Bob will be there. Bob will be there. We'll get you yeah. all there. Yeah. It seats nine. <laughs> yeah, good, good. But yeah, as big as the table is, I can't even the, the big map I have, big play map I have for Star Trek Ascendancy still doesn't fit. Okay. It falls off the edges on either side. I'm wow. like, I really thought this was gonna work this time. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that? The mat is oh god. It's like six by three, four, five by three, something like that. It, it, it's huge. It's enough for four players, but on the perimeter of it has actual layouts to put, to set your board up and your cards and everything like that. Plus the play mat, the play surface in the middle. It, it's, 
it's wild, but it's pretty cool. But yeah, that's been about it. And I've been itching to talk strange new worlds with all you folks. Good, good. Well, let's, uh, we'll we'll do that then here in a second. Yeah. Chrissy, what's going on in your sci-fi world? Well, other than Umbrella Academy, um, Stranger Things, I did watch the first episode of Strange New Worlds just to be able to like talk to you guys about it. Did not watch Star Wars finished. Sorry, we got distracted by Violet Evergarden and I do not cry at shows. I don't even get like all that like teary-eyed. Like I just don't. I think like the only time I've ever really gotten teary-eyed when I was watching something, really watching something was like Hotel Rwanda and that is because it was legit like watching them go through the history of an actual genocide that happened and that's why I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is terrible what we did like we, humans can do to each other." So, the fact that I was like tearing up during Violet Evergarden, and then of course, like Netflix is picking up this thing, be like, "Do you want to watch another episode?" And I'm like, "Yes, yes, yeah. please break my heart again." I'm just like, "So we should, we should uh, just give a little synopsis of this for people that may not watch anime. Uh, this this show is they deal with these, um, what they call these. Uh, what was the name for the girls? They call them dolls, but it yes. stands for like basically an automated memory machine. Yes, yes. And so basically they were people people couldn't read or they couldn't write. Um, and so and um, so people would type letters for them. And these were the uh, this was like pre-telephone, uh, pre-radio. And so that's kind of the era, although they don't really put a certain date on it. And it's not set in a real world place. Uh, but it follows this one girl who is a she's a she's lost both her arms because she was a she was a girl that was like a tool in a war. Um, and so the story really follows her dealing with the trauma of that, um, walking through the trauma and that, but also trying to to become a human being with real emotions and being able to convey love and she has these words that are kind of driving her through her commander who she worked with who she was told and believes has died um and that's kind of driving her through this episode to discover what it means to i love you what i love you means and so it's that journey and it's just i mean i'm simplifying it immensely but well the thing the thing that i like about this story is is most of the time when you see these people who have stunted ability to attach or express their emotions, um, it's not like a lot of these stories of like, oh, they start off as not really being human and then they go to being human. Like it starts with like almost like this roboticism idea. And then, oh, well, when they learn to express their emotions, all of a sudden they become human. What I liked about this show and a lot of people, um, artistic will criticize that because they have difficulty with expressing emotions and understanding emotions so when you have these storylines that constantly say that if you can't do that you're not human like it can dehumanize them and the reason i use autistics and not people with autism is because people who have that diagnosis identify as people with identify as autistic not as people with autism so no angry tweets about this later people um so what i really liked about it that is my soapbox on that whole subject Thank yeah you very much. Thank you for him wearing my TED talk. Um, so what I really liked about this was it showed that her commander saw her as a traumatized girl 
who needed love and care first and treated her as a human being. And that allowed her to heal and then learn to express her emotions and understand other people expressing their emotions. And so I love that the narrative was not, I will show you how to be a human and then you have humanity. It was, I can see that you just need to be treated as someone who needs to be treated with humanity and needs to be shown love and compassion and then you'll heal. And I love, love, love that so much because it's seen over and over and over again that you show love and compassion first and then healing starts. And I think that that message is so good for when you're dealing with people who've been through trauma. Yeah. And you look, you look at through all the people that interact with her in the show and even, even the lady that's trading, like has the memory school doll, the, the doll school, right? Uh, even her giving her the PID, she's earned it, but she's not all the way there yet. But she right. sees the potential, um, and 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 re- and reacts with a way that's loving, and that's why she's, and that her quirkiness enables her to kind of identify with the fact that everyone is doesn't have it all together. And and I love that it's it's about learning how to like express these really deep emotions that are so hard to express and the important the ability of a letter to let you do that right and so you know there's one part where like you know it's a telephone and yes the telephone allows them to connect instantaneously however there's still a place for writing letters and i and in this tech world where you're constantly you know texting and tweeting and everything else the time to sit down and thoughtfully communicate your emotions and feelings for another person is so important yeah it did in that the, the, the final movie really captures that well um oh. you know it, it, you mentioned that you kind of worked your way teary-eyed through this so this uh, the reason the reason this even came onto my radar and i suggested it to you is probably two weeks before the end of school i have a student from columbia uh, who is who is an avid anime fan and we were just talking and she goes and she had this recommendation for me i said i'll give it a shot and and i watched the first two episodes oh i know what it was we were watching um uh the girl that can summon the rain or the sun and i forget what the name of the movie is but we were talking about it and she goes if you like that and a good tearjerker because it brought me to tears she goes you have to watch violet evergarden i was like okay i'll watch the first couple episodes and let you know what i think about it so i watched the first two episodes on my walk in the morning day when i'm walking around the school and um and i go in and i'm like and i tell her like i couldn't get through this episode without crying she goes i know right because you have to watch the next two so the last two weeks the last two weeks i would give her like daily updates is where it was at in the series because the only time I'd watch it be in the morning. And let me tell you it. And every single episode was different. And like the one with the playwright that lost the daughter. Oh my God. Right. Or the writer, the writer that lost the daughter. Right. Like when she leaps onto the water to jump across, like I'm rooting for her to actually make it. You know, know. I'm like, I'm so engaged and violet and wanting her to do it 
you know. And for one magical moment, it's there. Right. And then the then, reality comes and you're just like, yeah. I won't cry. But, and even, but, but, but it was a moment too that broke the author down. It was great. Yeah. It was, yes. it's, it's, it's just, it's, it is not just what's it's happening. So it's not just what's happening. communication going on more it's, than the words. I know. It's not just, and it's not just the story of Violet Evergarden. It is, it is the way she is impacting those around her. Like the, the letters that she wrote for the mother that was dying and wrote a letter to give to her daughter for the next 50 years. You know, all those things was like incredible human stories. It's so incredible. Yeah. And and the letters themselves are so appropriate and heartfelt, and you're just like, yep, that, that's it's beautiful. Pretty so, much it. Yes. If, yeah. So if you watch it, just describe your like. Make sure you have a full box of tissues right. and like, yeah. you know, time to recover afterwards. It's definitely it's it's definitely not sci-fi. There's a no. little there's a little bit of fantasy element in it. A little bit. But I would say, um, uh, oh goodness gracious, steampunk. Oh uh, yeah, well, so I was gonna think that like a little bit more steampunk than anything. Yeah, I would definitely say that's a bit more steampunk because, like, obviously, you're not gonna be able to have like mechanical arms to like type right. in that setting. Like that, just like historically, that was not possible. So there's definitely like some steampunk aspects yeah. to it, um, but yeah, and they're and they're running around in motorcycles and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's just such it's such a good anime. I yeah. really do recommend it. Yeah. Um, I'm also watching um, Attack on Titan. So that, that's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> yes, and I have I have not watched it before, mostly because those Titans are flipping creepy as hell like yeah. i have not watched it before because every time i drive i'm just like you guys are like too creepy i'm gonna watch something else so funny i can watch like horror and everything else but i'm like but certain things i'm like no that's just really creepy i don't like muppets for that reason i find them creepy as hell fair enough <laughs> i'm like yeah. no nah, i'm good i don't want to watch this yeah so dave there oh. you go uh dave's like okay you guys just go ahead and talk right <laughs> i mean yeah yeah. I'm so, glad you guys enjoyed that much. Yeah. It sounds sounds interesting. It's it. It, it is it is a compelling what it is is the characters have a lot of depth to them. And um I know it's not science fiction. Maybe a little bit in the steampunk end like we talked about it. Um but it's definitely one that really captures humanity at its best. Maybe at its worst too, but at its best for the most part. It really does. So other things in my sci-fi world. Um, I think that's it for watching stuff. <clears throat> Obviously doing lots of reading. Um, read The Witch's Heart. Uh, i trying to think of like there's things that I didn't cover last time. Lion of Ireland. Thief by Megan Turner. Caravel by Stephanie Garber. Um, hold on. If I pull up my i'll be able to figure out some of the other stuff that i read oh um one thing that i read recently very recently and i really really like it if you like romance period gothic horror you will absolutely love 
Gothic Mexican. Um, let me pull up by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. I'm sorry, I took German. Um, so I'm terrible when I'm pronouncing these. They don't pronounce anything that's not like English or German names. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, but it is such a good book. It like somehow mar- marries like Bronte's Wuthering Heights with like Dracula, and it's just superb. I love it. So if you, um, I don't usually read a lot of modern gothic horror because it's just not usually my jam. Um, but read that, read do um, Android's Dream of Electronic Sheep, um, reread Howl's Moving Castle because why not? I'm going to rewatch the um, movie. Oh, fantastic movie. I just watched it. It's long such job. a good movie. So I was like, I need to reread the book. I know the book and the movie don't follow along, but it's it's one of those things where it's one of the few movies that doesn't follow a book that I still genuinely enjoy. And it, listen. It's a scarecrow man. That's the guy that makes a movie. I, I I don't know. Like normally, I watch these things. And I'm like, this is super annoying. You're not following the book. I don't like this. But for whatever reason, Howl's Movie Castle. Maybe it's because it's a Miyazaki movie, and I will forgive that man almost anything. Um, so, but Howl's Moving Castle. Um, read James Patterson's Zoo. Um, not again. Not usually my cup of tea. But like, I've been going through lots of different library books and just being like, let's just try something new. I'm currently reading The Buried Giant. Um, And then if you want a good, I know you mentioned how there's not a lot of black authors. I believe Fifth Season is written by a black author. Um, And that's a really good, if you like world building, you'll really like the Fifth Season. Um, And the narrative itself is, I would say, a non-traditional narrative. So... It's kind of experimental in a way. So that's one that people can get into if they want to get into a really interesting um, science fantasy science fiction world. Yeah. Very good. Yes. So have you guys seen the uh, photography coming out of the James Webb telescope? I am in the process of looking at that. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic that we've been able to see like that far into space. Pretty incredible. Um, but I did want to make sure that we bring that up because that's like real science. But yes, definitely worth I I really enjoy like looking at that kind of thing. Yeah. So I know it just happened yesterday. I just haven't gotten a chance to go look at it myself. Yeah, because um, I've been a little bit busy. So my sci-fi world. Let's talk about that. Uh, so last night, the family sat down. We watched The Lost City on Paramount. And that was a star. It just came out this year, starring Sandra Bullock, Brad Pitt, Channing Tatum, and Daniel Radcliffe. Um, it, is a, it is a comedy adventure, um, a little bit in the vein of The Red Notice, although I enjoyed The Red Notice way more. Um, but it was funny, funny, and Sandra Bullock looks good for a fifty-six-year-old. Just saying. Well, she's she's usually like she's usually good in comedies. I was like, yeah. that's actually a really good lineup for a comedy. Yeah, it is. Uh, I was surprised. I'm not a huge Channing Tatum fan, but um, fair. But uh, he did really well in this comedy, and Brad Pitt was 
was funny in this comedy too. Well, you can almost not go wrong with Brad Pitt. You can't. Yeah. When him and Sandra have done so many things together. Oh, they've got good chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. So we watched that. Um, As I mentioned before the show started that we are watching Miss Marvel, the Disney and Whenever a show drops on Wednesday, we watch it and have been really been enjoying it. Um, so even though I never finished Moon Knight because I could not make my way through that Marvel mo- uh, franchise, I am making my way through uh, Miss Marvel. Uh, which is interesting because you're dealing both with franchises, Moon Knight dealing with Egyptian mythology, and then we have a little bit of Indian mythology playing into Miss Marvel, but somehow Miss Marvel works for me and Moon Knight did not. So Yeah, I don't know what it is about like stage four. I just am not as There's a lot more misses in stage four when you think of of the uh the Eternals. Um you think of Moon Knight for me. I think the others most of the others I really have enjoyed that I watched. Yeah, I don't like it's one of those things where it's not that I like don't enjoy them as like like you said, there's a lot more misses than hits, but even the hits aren't, I don't know if it's just like, I don't want to say the saturations, I don't believe that, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, there's so much middling going on that like, it's not the bell curve. The middle just yeah. keeps getting more packed, which I guess is hard to keep, you know, going beyond two standard deviations of the mean to like ballpark it out of there. But I got spoiled with some of the other ones. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so watching Miss Marvel, enjoying that also watching a show that is a gaming show called the players. Um, it follows a pseudo league of legends team. It's some huge league of legends. I don't play much anymore, but I, I do watch games and I have been enjoying the show because it really kind of, it's a satirical docudrama. It's a, what do they call it? a mockudrama? I guess it is. Where it's like, a, it's hysterical. like a mock, like they mock the thing, but they're also poking fun of it. But there's a lot of, they're using a lot of the real casters in it and some of the real players in it. So that's funny from that end. Um, so I'm enjoying it. And um, I mean, that's, so I'm watching that. I'm trying to think what else I am watching that is. Um, I, I'm re- So let me tell you what I'm reading. I'm still working my way through um, the Jim Butcher uh, Furies of Calderon series. Right now I'm on the Princeps Fury Coda Lara book five. I think I have a Jim, the very first Jim Butcher book on hold at the library. And so I'm finally going to get into it. Now, which one are you? Are, uh, the Furies of Calderon series? Um, You know what? Let me pull it up. And I can tell you, because I keep hearing that name a lot. And I was like, well, I'll give it a go. Well, so that was my thing. Like, I remember the Dresden Files. Like, there was a TV show, right? Never, never, never watched the Dresden Files. But I've never read Jim Butcher. And then kind of what put him on my radar again is I was watching an interview, a conversation between Patrick Rothfuss, Rothfuss who I love and hate at the same time because I still don't have book three. Um, yes. But... He's a fantastic writer. Coming out soon. Right, right. So I was watching him sit down. He must be good friends with Jim Butcher. I'm like, oh, you know, if if he's good friends with Jim Butcher, he kind of vouches for Jim Butcher, then maybe I should give Jim Butcher a chance. So I'm sitting in my classroom, must be January, 
And our principal comes in, and the last thing you want to do is get our principal talking about science fiction because it will literally blow a good 45 minutes of your time, which I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind in most cases unless, of course, it just happens most times to be the times of trying to actually do work. Um, you know? So, but, but anyways. He's the boss. So, like, what is he going to do? Get you in trouble for Apparently not. Apparently not. But he, he said, you got to try this series. So like, okay. So I got, so he's the one that got me into finally, but there was a series leading up to it. You know what? It it is the Dresden files series. Well, I am. I'm actually, I'm interested to hear what you say about it. If you like the Dresden files, like I think I have one more book in this series and then I will be series free. But well, I guess I'll, Oh, sorry. It's on my wish list. I'll have to put it on holds because I have too many holds right now. Yeah. So the other book that I am reading, this was a key for recommendation. So we've been fans of the reader Ray Porter, who's read, um, who who has read like the Mar- read The Martian. He read Project Hail Mary. Um, so sometimes when you're listening to books, you fall in love with the reader, and Ray Porter is one of the guys we fell in love with. Uh, so my son got a hold of my Audible account, and like I had. I had three credits on there that disappeared very quickly. Um, that, and, but he bought this book called Paradox Bound, and he said, "You got to listen to this novel. It's good." You so know, I have two credits on my Audible, and I cannot figure out what I want to buy. So, so Paradox Bound is something that I think Miles would like because it's a little bit of a time travel thing. But here's the premise of it. Um, the critic, critics are saying it's a rousing adventure novel that marries steampunk aesthetics to seminal concept of protecting American liberty. Um, and so basically, here's this. Here's the plot. I'll give you just a little bit of a summary of it, okay? The publisher summary is this. Nothing ever changes in Sanders. The town's still got a video store, for God's sake. So why doesn't Eli Teague want to leave? Not to admit it, but maybe he's been waiting, waiting for the traveler to come back the one who roared into his life twice before, pausing just long enough to drop tantalizing clues before disappearing in a cloud of gunfire and squeal of tires. The one who's walking a walking anachronism with her tricorn hat, flintlock rifle, and steampunk motto A Ford. The one who's being pursued by something. And so it's this story, and this, this lady's a time traveler. It ends up being a girl, and of course he has the hots for her, and this... There's this faceless man pursuing him, and it's kind of interesting. So I'm enjoying it. I'm uh, like maybe two, three hours into a 12 hour book. So, okay. So, well worth it. That was Kiefer's recommendation, and I would have to give my stamp a recommendation on it as well. Good, good, good. So, I think that's it. So, Dave, let's talk about Strange New Worlds. Let's start with the start with Strange New Worlds. And the season wrapped up and I heard a lot of good about it. And then I heard a few people that said that just felt that they did not really represent Trek like they wanted to represent Trek. So we need the expert opinion here. So that's why we have you in the show to tell us that. Go ahead, Dave. All right. So the entire season has been amazing thus far. I mean, th- there was a week, week or two there where, I get done watching the Orville. I watch in strange new worlds and both episodes are just leaving me 
like speechless as I, I love being a fan right now. This is this is primo. This season finale of Strange New Worlds was the best episode of Star Trek that I have watched since CBS All Access started pumping stuff out again. This was by far is by far my favorite. It took my 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 favorite TOS episode was Balance of Terror. To refresh anybody who might not have seen it in a while, it's when the Federation's outposts along the Romulan neutral zone start mysteriously getting destroyed, and Kirk and Enterprise go out and are tasked to figure out what's going on, stop it, do whatever they need to do to try to prevent a war. It's when you first meet the Romulans in the original series, when they got the cool little ship with the bird painted on the bottom of the the, the the bird painted on the bottom of it. Great episode. Very reminiscent of an old submarine movie, you know, because everything's just hunting and seeking and trying to find this cloaked ship. Like the hunt for Red October? In a sense, in a way, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm with you now. Yeah, yeah. Romulan ship's cloaked. They're trying to find it, dodge yes, it, yes. blow it up, so all that good. good stuff. Great time. Season finale of Strange New Worlds takes that episode. The entire plot of that episode... I'm already in. And puts it into an alternate timeline where the whole series Pike has been dealing with his vision of his future that he gets in, was it season two of Discovery or whatever he's in Discovery? I, I will say it was I was a little confused just jumping in having not watched Discovery. Okay. So Pike gets a vision of his future there where he is in that accident and winds up in the wheelchair blinking his little light gathering that sort of thing. Yep. So Got he's it. struggling with this concept that he knows what's going to happen to him in the future and can he avoid it? What's the cost of him avoiding it? And in this episode, in comes... Oh, darling, we see what happens when we do that. Greek prophecies all over oh. that. <laughs> so in comes future Pike. Appears in his quarters, in his room, and it, it's the first part of the episode that makes me go <gasps> because he's wearing the Rathacon era red... red Maroon Starfleet uniform, but oh no, he's redshirted. Oh, oh, oh no, but but it's the, the uniform is twisted in a way so it kind of matches the styling of, of the new shows, but just looks so damn sharp. It, it, it is the best uniform ever in Star Trek in my mind, and it just looks cool now the way they've redone it, but kept ninety eight percent of it all the same. It's just beautiful. So I'm already getting excited. But then they play through the episode with him getting another set of these Klingon time crystals or whatever from the, the Klingon monks at Borth. He's and Klingon time crystals. <laughs> oh yeah, it's pretty cool. But they uh, they flash it forward there where he is still in command of the Enterprise during the incident in the episode Balance of Terror instead of Kirk. And how it plays out and the changes it makes is absolutely amazing. You do get to see James T. Kirk in this episode as a character, and I can't Please see him. Please tell me that the actor talks like Shatner. No. The, Damn. The, the only downfall I have to this episode is Kirk. That, I think maybe, like, that's no, what I, maybe that's what talking. I heard. I heard yeah. that Kirk was kind of the drawback to this episode. Well, because Kirk he's not talking the like the original Kirk. Kirk well, is, it's terrible. 
I forget the guy's name who plays him in here, but he was one of the vampires in the Vampire Diaries show. Oh, my well, wife, then you won't be able to take him seriously at that Well, point. that's it. <laughs> my wife loves the show, and I'm just looking at this guy. I'm like, I can't see you anything other than a vampire. And <laughs> he, he he didn't pull off a – Chris Pine came off as a better Kirk than this it's, guy did. And that's saying a lot you're for You're watching um, the old – um, Dune movie, and you're like, oh, Picard, what mm-hmm. a strange you're in. Yeah, exactly. But other than him, the the episode played so well. It, it was it was it was amazing. And you're set up for season two at the end on a whole level than what happened actually happened in there. So it, it it's. This show has been the trek I've been waiting for since Enterprise went off the air. So it, it can, is you, absolutely can you just terrific. recap for me, just just mm-hmm. go, just having dived into it. So mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that I am timelining this correctly. So this is not alternative timeline from the original series. This is just pre-original series, correct? Well, pre-original series, yes. Okay, so... That that was my first clarification because I was like I'm a little bit. But it is post Enterprise, right? Yes. Oh, oh, oh so it's post original series. No, no, no. no so it's, it's pre pre original series, but post yeah. the show Enterprise. Oh well, I mean they don't quite have the same faith obvious. as the heart. Yes. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Oh so my. Then my my question. <laughs> Just because, con- you know, consistency of characters is something I care a lot about. I probably care more than some people, or I should. Um, so, something I've, I've noticed about when you have, like, character arcs in, like, an original series, and then you try and go back and redo a character, I think this is one of the things that I feel like Kenobi didn't do a very good job with. I know that people had a little problem with Han Solo for that same reason. Um is when you have a character that you need to get here. So Spock, mm-hmm. how how does his character arc, because part of his character arc is that emotional, like, expression. Right. And that acceptance of, oh, I am half human and that's okay. Like, so how do you see that coming out? Because when I... Because I think that's one of the reasons it confused me at first when I went in to watch it was because I felt like Spock was much more emotional than original series Spock's. And I'm going, now, now wait a second. I thought yeah. this was over here. Is this an alternative timeline Spock? Like, yeah. do we have four Spocks running around? How does this work? No, so, so Spock in here is, this is before we meet him in the original series. Before right. Leonard Nimoy makes him the iconic that he is. Because Leonard Nimoy is... Just brilliant. Brilliant. Love him. And, and so is the young man who's playing him here. So you're seeing well, him... Well, I thought he did a really good job. It just... Yes. Well, you're, you're seeing his character struggle with that. There's a There was a few episodes in here where Spock's struggle between being Vulcan or being human is really addressed and highlighted and especially in his relationship with T'Pring his betrothed mm-hmm. and, and how they work to deal with it 
Now, because we've never really seen Spock deal with it in this way, because when we get him, he's very focused on logic and all that. And when his emotional side comes out, there's usually an outside factor that's pushing it towards it. So this is him naturally finding his way in a sense. Okay. And it's, and it's done very, very well. And that I think is what gave me like the biggest pause after finishing episode one. I was like, Ooh, do I, do I want to continue here? Cause I'm getting a little, like I'm a little concerned with how they're treating this character. And I think that's, that's where I usually end up with like my biggest hangups of like either prequel stuff or sequel stuff is when people like take characters and like take them in either like, where I feel like they've taken the character that I know and love and they're making their actions serve the plot. And I'm like, no, that that's not, yeah. It's not yeah. how that character works. Yeah. They didn't JJ him up in this. He, he's, okay. he, he's very, oh, he's not out making off with, oh, making, making out with, with Ohura. Ohura. no, no, no. He, he's, he's be very, very inappropriate. Cause she is a cadet. Yes, that's just true. That would be a uh, HR violation there. I'm sure. Yes. Yes. It would be. <laughs> um, do not, do not engage. Do not in... engage with your subordinates. Yes. Exactly. Especially cadets, their children. Um, but they very do, they violation. Do yeah, they, yes. they do it very well. And there's been a lot of talk now come season four since uh, the uh, Andorian Anir Henner dies in the episode previous to this. Okay. That now we have a chief engineer spot open and it's the Enterprise. So we could have, they hinted at in, in this last episode in the little alternate timeline that Pike's living through, you hear a Scottish chief engineer. You don't see him, but you hear his voice and him talking and it's magnificent. So we we could see the return of Montgomery Scott in some form here as well. I'm hoping, but all all that said, this show has, has gone back to the roots of Trek where you're episodic, the stories you're telling the, the character development of everybody in there, not just Michael Burnham. It, it, it's it's very, very good. And I cannot wait for season two. I cannot wait at all. Yeah, I, I really did like the pilot a lot. Um, I felt a little bit skeptical of like, really, they're able to re- reverse engineer warp drive from, from that. Like, really really but okay i'll I'll allow it which one okay what was that when they found the signature on the planet yeah they found the signature on the planet and i guess like somehow the planet like observed whatever happened in discovery and then like reverse engineered a warp drive weapon and i'm like scratching my head going i i mean well they harness this power to make a weapon they didn't they didn't turn into warp drive they figured out how to weaponize it but still yeah. You observe an explosion of some kind. I, that's what it looked like. And again, oh. I could be wrong because I I'm coming into it having not seen Discovery at all. So I'm going, okay. You observed this phenomenon of technology, and you just looked at it and said, hmm, "I think we can make that," and made it. I was like, oh, I, don't- I, I think it was a piece. It was something part of the debris from the battle. Oh, maybe, maybe I they, missed they that. Yeah, yeah, they didn't see an explosion and then decide as a 
you know, a pre-warp civilization that we can figure I, this I must, out. I must have missed it. That must have happened like so quick. And I was like, it, oh. it, it was, it was a quick, like two minute briefing runaway line thing where they explained it. And it was, and, and it was and out there. It might've been one of those things where like, I was trying to figure out what had happened. So right. I was like, processing all the information i was like they did what now i probably should just rewind it the other my other hang up was and this is i'm not saying that every relationship has to be you know like age age for an adults please hear that consenting adults fine but i will say that i was also slightly confused when like he comes like she comes out and i'm like is this your girlfriend is this your daughter-in-law like what what is going on now i'm assuming it's your girlfriend because the very the very the female captain at the very start of the episode oh yeah yeah, and i'm like once again we have these massive like what looks like a pretty massive age difference between an actor and an actress and that's just a little small small criticism there guys like come on can can we not do that It, it only looks that way because Pike decided to be Mountain Man. When you see them together in the in the in the last episode, because you see her again, they're they're back together. It feels a bit more proper. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying that you you know I think they're called like autumn spring relationships don't happen and they're perfectly okay. I'm not saying that you can't have them. It's just there is a pattern in media where you often see big age gaps between an actor and an actress and you're like as a woman i'm just gonna say um no yeah does not happen that often well if you're talking about relationships in there you'll love to see the uh the beginnings of doctor of nurse chapel's infatuation with spock takes hold in here and it it starts playing out and plays out brilliantly. I love it. The the the, the character of Chapel in here, she is a freaking badass rock star. I I'm I, loving it already. I, I'm in love with her. She, she okay. is amazing. So the only thing I'm going to be able to the only things I'm going to be able to watch between now and next time is going to be Kenobi and Strange New World. And then chances are I'm going to be like, well, I guess I got to go watch Discovery now because I don't know what the hell's coming up. Uh, no, no, no. Don't waste too much time with that. Don't okay, so I'll just use you for the Cliff Notes version. Got it. Cliff Notes for Discovery, we can run it through. It's just bleh. You but know yes. what? A Wikipedia article or two, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> Scott, what do you think of it so far? So I watched the... Uh, is it the first three episodes? I'm a little bit annoyed at Spock's relationship. Um, but... I understand it gives them definition. They continues to highlight a struggle between his human and Klingon side. So I understand Klingon, sorry, Vulcan, <laughs> Vulcan side. I don't get so much hate from all the Star Wars <laughs> fans. I mean, Star Trek fans. <laughs> so it's okay. I call him Captain Turk earlier. Yeah. So, <laughs> so no, um, but the, I uh, has been drinking before the show. Yes, yes, we sir. We that is water. Wink, wink at the diner that we're serving. Um. Yeah. No. I. It's so Irish coffee. The thing that I really do enjoy is I do enjoy Anson Mount. Uh, I think he's doing an incredible job at Pike. Um. Uh, the lady that's playing Ahura, I'm liking that. Um, and so there's there is a lot that I am appreciating about Stranger Worlds. It's just that with everything else happening, 
I did not go back and finish it. So I haven't like halfway. I don't know how many episodes dropped in it? Was it uh, eight, 10, 10? So I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm episode four. So I'm a little bit less than halfway and I do plan on finishing. So maybe that's my homework for the next time is to finish it. So we can have intelligent discussion about this. You'll, you'll because I've watched the original series so much. Um, it, it puts the Spock's relationship with the Pring there makes, uh, a mock time into a different perspective. Okay. When, do you remember that when, when Kirk ends up fighting Spock because Spock's there is supposed to get married or whatever. And to bring puts the challenge out because she doesn't want to marry him anymore. Right. That's when they do it out. So it, it's, it, it puts that into a little bit deeper perspective when you see how those two and, and their path and, they, you know, and how they, they interact and try to make this relationship work. It, it's, it, it's good. So for, for me, it's not changing anything, but it's adding depth to everything. Right. It, it is how a lot of this show is, is feeling for me. Plus mm-hmm. all the new stuff, which is great. Right. But yeah, all right, and then you know, the flip side of that, you have the Orville. Have you guys watched the Orville yet? So I, w- I watched the first two, uh, two episodes. <laughs> so I'm going to tell. You, so here, let me tell you. First, yeah. first episode, I was like, they're playing with suicide because of bullying. Certainly, a relevant message. But when I'm looking at like the overarching story of the show, the first episode you could practically skip because it doesn't play into the arc or it didn't feel like it played into the arc for me. My understanding, maybe I'm wrong. Dave will say you're wrong. Totally wrong. <laughs> nope. But the, uh, at that point, at that point, but uh, this next episode where they're beginning to go through whatever space they're going through um, and they get infected and you see the one captain totally become like a different being. I did enjoy that episode. So, the, the, the Orville and is, favorite thing is 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 Captain Speech before they go into the unknown. And may the force be with you. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> wait across streams, but well, it's 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 on Hulu. It's owned by Disney, so they can't sue him for it. Right, I mean, it's all their own property. Right, exactly. Well, and my understanding of, of that show in general is it's meant to be funny and tongue in cheek, and so if it breaks the fourth wall, oh well. It's kind of like when you watch Deadpool; you expect the fourth wall to be like broken at least yep. five times. So, good point. This season of Orville has been less comical and tongue in cheek than the two before. Right. Oh, that's th- th- this is enter- this is like Enterprise season four. It's hitting its stride. It is really starting to feel good and look good. And I swear to God, I hope there's a season four to this. I thought this was the final season. I I hope. I I don't know. I've heard different things, but I really hope it's not because so far every episode has been a, it it could have been taken from next generation. They call back to, to things that have happened in previous seasons, especially this last episode with, uh, Malloy, um, get getting bumped back in time, which that's a whole callback to a whole other episode too. But him getting bumped back in time and then getting stuck there 
and going and meeting that girl, the girl that he made his little holodeck fantasy off based off of her cell phone that was in, they found in a time capsule and actually started a family with her. Uh, it, it was, oh, it was just touching and, and real and amazing and not full of Seth MacFarlane fart jokes. It, the, the stuff has been just beautiful, beautifully done. And, and oh, it's a good time to be a science fiction fan. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it really is. All right. Well, very good. Well, we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, in future episodes and get Miles back. We have Shore Leave coming this weekend, which uh, um, we, Sci-Fi Diner, will be attending. And um, But is there anything else we need to say before we go into the interview and then wrap up the show? I don't think so. No, I think we're good. I think we're I good. Think we're covered. Yeah, we covered a lot, a lot of territory in there. So what we're going to do is we're going to wrap the show here. Um, but before we do, we are going to be stay tuned for our interview from Farpoint 2022, where we interview uh, an African-American author writing science fiction. And we'll tell you a little bit about that after we exit the show. So stay tuned after the show and we'll share this interview. So I guess without further ado, um, I guess let's go go out of the show. We don't have miles to take us out of the show. Does this mean we can't leave? Um. <laughs> Uh, Turn to the Hotel California. Uh, yeah, yeah. To talk about to talk about something that brought up the uh, Devil's Brew. That that album did. <laughs> Anton Levey on the cover of that album. My oh, man. Wow. Yep. You can never leave. But anyways, that's it for the Diner Night. Thanks for joining us and dining with us tonight. As we talked about Orville, we talked about Violet Evergarden. As we talked about um, Strange New Worlds and all manner of things tonight. If you have any comments on any of this, we'd love to hear from you. You can always email us at sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com, but even more so join our Facebook page and community, which is where all good dialogue happens and all good trolling happens there as well. And, but that's uh, I think that's about it. So without further ado, thank you so much for joining us. So uh, that's your cue. Chrissy. Okay. I'll do I'll be by. So until next time, until next time, good night and good luck. (laughs) I'm still waiting, Chrissy. I'm sorry. It's been a long road. Oh, leave your chips on the table. (laughs) Not your day job. (laughs) And always keep that faith of the heart. Oh. Oh yeah. I think that's gonna be my new tag outline. Do you hear that? There's threats here. I will end you. Did you hear that? That's my new tagline. I will end you. I will end you. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna switch it up to so the he says that, and then I just like say. Yeah, so we should switch you like exiting the show, right? It should be Dave, and then she says that I will end you, and that's it. That needs to be for the next time. But.
All right. Well, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. We're here at Farpoint 2022, finally a con that we're back. First con that we've been to, at least, okay. recently, um, in uh, in the past two years. And we're standing here with Rod Van Blake, right? That is correct. That is correct, who, is, who has two series out. He's going to tell us about those series in just a little bit. And um, is this your first time at Farpoint? At Farpoint, yes. Okay. Yeah. But you've been to other conventions, obviously I, promoting your books and so I started back in 2017 at Baltimore Comic Con. Oh, yeah. Back when I only had one book. One book. One book, and that was it. And I was trying to market the book and advertising in Locust and Isomalls Magazine. Um, and that's more, I think, for a name. I'm a self-published independent author so it would make more sense if I was a name right. with the amount of money I was spending in those magazines you're probably going to get that investment back easily but when nobody knows who the heck you are you're buying a quarter page half page or a full page in a magazine that's 250 to $300 per month and some of the magazines you couldn't do one month at a time I had to buy three months so I might up to $900 and then comic book conventions were a thing so i was like oh, i wonder how i would do with that let's you know and at the time i think the table was like 250 so i paid 250 i scrounged together about 80 or so books and then walked home with like i think the wife and I had 12 books left over so we were done so, so it, was was like, well, it was well worth it we were like you know what rather than invite you know the magazines how about we just buy tables at local events and do that. This looks like it's a more viable way right. of selling. And plus, with the in-person interaction and people can hear your passion and see the stuff that you've created, it, it, I think it gels more than just some random ad in a magazine. Oh, yeah. You need to more personal talk to potential yeah. readers. Talk to people. And I've had people stop me mid-sentence. Like, you know what? I have no clue what you're talking about, guy. But you sound passionate. You sound like you believe in it. How much is the book? And then after that, I was like, you know what? And then the wife was pumping me up like, yeah, next book has to come out next year. So, <laughs> no, no pressure. No pressure. Yeah, she was telling people, yeah, yeah next year, book two will be out. Book two will be out. And I was like... Who, who's writing this book? <laughs> but eventually got it done, and then um, the shutdown happened right about the time we were publishing book three. And so we did a Kickstarter during the shutdown because conventions were lost, and we were trying to get the books uh, illustrated. So I bumped into the guy, he's not there to stay with the next me, the artist next to me, Jordan Pennell Jackson. Two years down the line, we bumped into him, liked his art, and people kept asking me, hey, your sci-fi, space opera, military action story sounds cool. I don't know if I want to go through 300 pages of it, though. Can you have it illustrated for me? And I'm like, hmm, that'd be nice, but I can't draw stick figures. So right. We had no, they don't want to see stick figures either. No. So eventually <laughs> I bumped into him and we started illustrating them out. So we've added graphic novels. And so I started with the sci-fi series because that was my first love. Uh, Star Wars, Star Trek and all that. I was reading a bunch of the novels was uh, stationed in uh, Okinawa, Japan, my first year in the Marine Corps, right about the time. Yeah, it's my phone notification. No, that's a, that's a great ringtone. That's a great ringtone. <laughs> about the time that uh, episode one, Phantom Menace, was coming out. And so I was like, ah, oh, they always say the book is better than the movie. So I thought there were nine books. <laughs> Ignorant me. I go right. to the store, hey, man, let me see all the Star Wars novels. He's like, yeah, the sci-fi section, back wall. And I go back there, and there's like a couple hundred books. Right. Yo, man, I'm... What's up with all this? <laughs> and so I got to reading so many of those when I first, like in my first year in the Marine Corps, I was reading 
a copious amount of books. It's like, I've read so much of this stuff, I wonder if I could write one. So that's kind of how the curiosity with writing started. I wrote a short story that was Star Wars, and then in my mind, I'm like, you don't own this. You can't never really do anything with right. this. It's, it's great for your own personal pleasure. Right? Yeah. So then it was like, okay, let's start off with your own story in the Milky Way galaxy, a what if scenario about beings made of pure light that come to Earth during the day of Pro Mag. That's how my series starts. It's what if, and that whole interaction, cavemen, beings of pure light, they're obviously going to be scared. How does that kind of work out? And then one of them gets exiled here. And the exile is being like for experimenting on my, mankind because he basically felt we were too stupid to learn what he was teaching. <laughs> so as punishment, his people was like, all right, you want to play this way? Good. We, too, we take away your ability to go into pure life, and you're now tasked with enlightening mankind, and we're going to leave you. And so they leave. He stays. He spawns a bunch of different... I don't know if you can catch the art in that one, but there's a bunch of technology that he gives to mankind that we, of course, use to fight each other. And then we mutate into a bunch of different mutant races in, in addition to regular mankind. And he kind of just watches it all burn as he influences things from the shadows. So that's kind of how ancient illumination came together. And I love... And so that's the premise of ancient illumination, illumination. you're telling us about. Yeah, that's the first series. And then there's an alternate dimension to that world where I also like epic fantasy, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, and stuff like that, but I want, again, I wanted to write my own with uh, dragons and magic and magic users, so that's where the Embodied Chronicles comes in as an alternate universe to ancient illumination. So they're not the same universe, but there is some crossover. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, and, so, and so we are at three books in the one series, right? Yeah. Three books in one series, and the second one I'm hoping to have finished this May so that I can have it edited, the cover work done, and then published out to the public, hopefully in July. Good, good. Is, and, and is your goal, are these trilogies? Are you looking at not necessarily defining the app? There isn't a, a set number. I don't have a set number in each series. And when I feel like I'm done with it, I usually leave it open-ended. So if I want to continue, I can, but it doesn't necessarily mean I have to. The, most of the conflicts will be resolved within the books like i'm gonna there's gonna be a fourth book after this one definitely and i'm already working on the second book in the that fantasy series and he's also going to start illustrating that out too as well but you yeah, know it's not necessarily going to be just a trilogy uh, so ancient illumination starts with the cave right starts with, with the cave then like the yeah. the cave. Does, how, does it progress through time Do you bring oh, yeah. it up? so by the time we get we have spaceships we've left the planet we're mining uh, we're about to go into other galaxies, but pretty much all takes place in the, the Milky Way galaxy, but there are conflicts and stuff that happen on the other planets and in between and in trade routes and yeah, but it, it goes into the future where we've, we've advanced way far than we have currently. Now, one of the things that I'm appreciating, I haven't read the books, okay. it is our first time meeting you, uh, but one of the things that I'm getting from it, just from the artwork and stuff, is there seems to be an embracing of people of color, yeah. uh, which is very seems very intentional, I think, especially as we look at, I have a daughter that's from Haiti, okay. this, is a, uh, this, is a, this is a type of genre that would appeal to her yeah, yeah. In, a different, in a different way than maybe than some of the other series that are out there. Was True. It very intentional on your part or just 
writing from your own experience? Writing from my own experience, and that's the funny thing. Uh, when I was in the military, I was around everybody. So right. it wasn't like it was either just white folks, just black folks, right, just right, right. Hispanic folks. It was everybody in there. So I put everybody in my series. Um, more intentional would probably be the fantasy series. The fantasy series. Especially it's kind of funny that things are kind of going awry with the new Lord of the Rings series coming out on uh, Amazon that people are going to be flipping out because we're getting black elves. Black I was like, what was with that? That's fine, so, right? Maybe Tolkien didn't write it, but yeah. it wasn't his world, right? So that's my thing. Like, I, <laughs> I did intentionally want to do fantasy where we were prominently featured right. in there because I love Lord of the Rings, but you six movies and I don't, I don't remember one. There's in the Lord of the Rings film, even right, I thought I, right. I thought I remember like a dwarf or something in the Hobbit, but that might have been like a trick of my eye or something. Right, right, right. Either way, I know it's not a lot of them. Right. If there was one. Right. In there, uh, I remember the movie Dungeons and Dragons back in the day when it came out with the first live action movie had a black female elf that was in that. So it's just weird. Like I don't I don't understand why anybody would be upset or get upset why somebody wants to see themselves in the fiction that they see or read. Right. Like, shouldn't everybody get that? Right, That's, right. They should all get that opportunity. Right? Now, my thing, I don't believe in inclusion for the sake of inclusion. Right. I want the characters to be good. I want the story to be good. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, don't, don't fin me. You know, from right. the new Star Wars with the trilogy where he gets set up in all the marketing that he's going to be a huge deal. And then in the films come out and he's not that big of a deal. <laughs> right. So right. It, it, there's, there's two sides to right. it. Just, you know, right. Don't you, want, don't want the, you don't want the token. I don't want a token, token character. Right. Yeah, you, you, you want, want to be, be represented. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Right. No, no, I get that. So I'm glad to see, at least in the fantasy series, that that becomes a central focus. Yeah. Um, but again, the story is still the important thing, right? Yeah, the story is the story is key. If the story is trash, and it's not going to matter who you feature it because no one's going to gravitate to it anyway. Yeah. Now, is, is your fantasy set in its own world, own its universe? Own world. Yeah, uh, Young Bonnie actually means home in Swahili. Okay. So that that's um, it's kind of the flip side of this universe, like it's an alternate dimension. So it's like the home planet, but instead of Aliens and spaceships. We got dragons, magic users, dwarves, elves, and everything that comes along with, you know, epic fantasy. Tale. That's awesome! Awesome. So I see the I see the URL, the ancientillumination.net. Yeah, is that where people find everything about? That's, that's my author website. Uh, that's where everything is on. When they have changes, my schedule for cons, uh, announcements about upcoming publishing projects. Um, sometimes I used to blog. I don't do it as much, but I blogged on there. Well, the uh, more you're blogging, the less you're writing, right? Yeah. <laughs> we podcast, too, every week. Okay, um, good. We, we basically talk. We just shoot the breeze about sci-fi fantasy stuff. I think we're talking about Vox Machina, the animated show right now. We're on okay. that. I think we're going to talk about The Witcher next because season two came out. Okay, good. Um, so, yeah, we have different things that we just... I don't want to be over-salesy. So, with my podcast, it's more about kind of creating an audience and then vibing with them over things that we like too. Right. And then we discuss what well, is the way this story went? If you were the writer in this story, what would you have changed and how would you have executed this better if you feel that they didn't execute it so well? What would you do? So that's the kind of things we kind of discuss as we talk each week about it on the show. And so what's the name of the podcast? Ascari Cast. The Ascari Cast. The Ascari Cast. A-S-K-A-R-I. 
Sky And you're doing it along with who else? I am doing it with Jordan Pinnell Jackson, okay. artist, and another author, Andrea Rose Washington. She has a couple fantasy novels and a sci-fi novel out as well. Okay, good. Well, Rod, it was a pleasure chatting with you about your, your books. And uh, can they buy your books from your site as well? Yes, they can. They're, they're available everywhere. But, so Amazon. Yeah, but there are direct links. If you want to uh, sign copies, you can. There are uh, links there that you can just purchase direct from me, and then I'll sign the books and mail them out. Uh, domestic U.S. If it's someone overseas, they have to email me so we can work on shipping. <laughs> yeah. So those of us who have switched to more of an electronic format, yeah. are they on e-books? They are available on Kindle and Barnes and Noble. Nook. Um, okay, great. A couple of them are also available on Kobo, I believe. Fantastic. And you're working on getting them in Audible for them, right? Uh, yes, that's the next step. Next week, in fact, I go to the studio to start recording uh, the audio books. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to it. Thank you for chatting with us, Rod. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. So uh, we're going to talk about the wrap-up of Strange New Worlds, which I did not finish either, Chrissy, so we're going to see a vote. But, but, we, but Dave, we need to talk about it because I've heard some people say that the finale was the best episode of Star Trek they've ever seen, and I've also heard people say that it did not fulfill their expectations. Well, those people Oh, you know, the art of Star Trek people, so that's possible. I mean, yeah. Although, you're the same people who think that Star Wars movie is amazing. Did you finish it? Did you finish it? I did not finish it. Well, then we, then, then, then we, then you cannot, you can't say a word until you finish it. Once you finish it. You can roast okay. Dave and I, I got, and Miles I all you want. Buy some anime. It, it happened. There were lots of. There were lots of like. Well, I wouldn't say like there were lots of tears because I like I don't like cry cry, but like it actually made me tear up, and I was like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah. So we do. Like we do have to talk about, uh, you know, Violet Evergarden because it was when you were when you were texting me stuff you were watching like. <laughs> That's what it did to me. It's like, for me, it has, I think, emotionally, I'm not saying it's the best anime ever, but it had the biggest emotional impact to me of any anime. No anime has it, ever it had really, that in it. I love, like, it's like, would you like to watch next episode? You're like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're like, yes, yes, please bring forward again. <laughs> All right. Well, let's try to save this for the show. We're going to talk about that. Um, and I can talk a little bit about my experience with that as well. And Dave, I know you aren't a huge anime watcher, but if you are, Violet Evergarden is one that's going to, you know, pull your tear down. It would be, I think, would be a great one to watch with your daughter. It's it it, it it is a it's totally a it's a very clean as clean anime. There's no fan service. Put that on your TV. 
Not that I want to get you kidding me.